Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to The New Jesus. Uh, if you're not familiar, I mention this just every once in a while, the where that term came from, the new Jesus. Um, I was brought up in a very strict religious home. Uh, it took me decades to recover from that. And then I was discipled by a man who came to be my mentor and still is today, who just loved me to death and showed me what the actual Greek and Hebrew say in the original languages versus mistranslations that are all through some versions, and uh, in some cases it makes a, a dramatic difference in what the text says. And one day he was teaching me, and I just said spontaneously, it's like you've introduced me to a whole new Jesus. And that's where the name came from. So uh, there's only one Jesus. That's the one I'm talking about, the one from the Bible, New Testament, Lord and Savior. That's the one. But to me, it was like a new Jesus based on what I, told Je what I was told Jesus, who he was and what he was like growing up in that harsh legalistic system. So if you're new and the name bothers you, that's, that's where it came from. All right, uh, this is the board from last week. I haven't touched it. Uh, I changed my mind from the week before when I said there is no formula, but then after praying and meditating over it, I believe there is a formula for the best outcome for you every time. And it is your will be done moment by moment. Uh, I shall not want. Why? Because he's the one in control. He's the one that knows what's best for me, has the power to do what's best for me, and promises he'll do that if I give him control. Um, 
We talked about want versus desires last week. I'm not going to go all over all that again. Uh, all of us want to be transformed. Uh, scripture says the way you do that is, the, is by the renewing of your mind, but it really means heart, which is your unconscious, generational issues, sins of the fathers, subconscious, and, and some of the conscious too. Um, but it really means, it doesn't mean just conscious mind which is what you would normally think reading that. So that's how you're transformed, by changing your beliefs in your heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God wants the heart. There's more passages in Scripture about the heart than soul, spirit, body combined. All right. So the emphasis is there all the way through. Genesis, first time heart is ever mentioned. Uh, man's inclination is toward evil in his heart. Man's, the, the inclination of man's heart is toward evil from his youth. Right? We have in our heart, unconscious mind, both fear and love. And it's our choice uh, overall in our life and moment by moment, day by day. Uh, fear of death or uh, belief in love. And I'll get a little more into that in a minute. Um, and we talked about that. You have to believe and commit to love over the fear. I'm going to talk more about that. Dying grace, when you do give control to God, He gives you the grace for whatever you need. All right? I had a, a, one of my clients that I taught this to, and she responded back and she said the, the most unusual thing I could imagine happened when I did the dying grace thing, gave control to God. Uh, I'm delighted to obey you in this. Um, may I ask that Jesus come to the forefront of my life and take control and manifest in my physical body to glorify you. All of that. And one area of her life that immediately did a 180 is she had always had a problem with brushing her teeth. She hated brushing her teeth. And she would not do it because she hated it so much and had all kinds of dental and gum problems because of that. Went to counseling and therapy over her fear and phobia of brushing her teeth and it didn't work. So this is now decades old and she does this and very, very quickly, like the first or second day, all of a sudden, she goes to brush her teeth and all that angst and anxiety and fear and phobia was completely gone. And she said, Dr. Lloyd, it sounds silly to talk about this, you know, with something like brushing your teeth, that trivial. But that had been a huge issue in my life. Everyone around knew it and it, and it you know, I was the butt of jokes and we had to make special accommodation and it very expensive because I had so many dental problems. This was a big, big thing for me that I've tried for decades to fix and wow, it's like overnight, all right? So that, that dying grace is not just dying. 
It's, it's brushing teeth grace. It's taking out the garbage grace. It's working hard at a job that I don't particularly enjoy grace. It's uh, uh, doing hard work that I would rather not have to do. It's uh, taking time for others when I really am pretty tired myself. It's grace for anything and everything that would be painful, pleasurable, but unhealthy to you. It's grace for any of that. Adversity, adversity, pain, or unhealthy pleasure. You will, that's the dying grace. That's what you will receive the grace for. What does that mean? It means the power, the power to go through that without all the negative emotions and thoughts and uh, body chemistry and brain chemistry and hormones and all that. Being able to go through it in joy and peace, even if it's something that I don't particularly like doing. Okay? And I'll talk about that in a little bit more. Um, Jesus and uh, the story of Lazarus, where Jesus says two times to Martha, Do you believe you will see the glory of God manifested if you believe? Do you believe? That's the only question he asked, and he asked it twice. The second time, she said, Yes, I believe. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Bingo! Lazarus, come forth. So she believed and the miracle happened. Well, that was grace. Okay? Because Jesus said, when asked in John, I believe several different times, after he did miracles and people were uh, patting him on the back and complimenting him, every single time, he said, it's not me, it's the Father. It's not me, it's the Father. Not me, it's the Father. All right? Well, what's he talking about? The power. The power for to bring Lazarus back to life. The power for healing. The power to change circumstances. The power for your best possible life that you don't have enough willpower and strength to make happen. That power. Okay? That is grace. Grace is the power to do what needs to be done in a certain situation. And there, you have to admit there are certain situations where you don't have enough power to do what you feel like, or at least to guarantee it, to ensure it. There is no situation that God does not have the power to do what is needed. Okay? All right. So that's from last week. Uh, this is from several weeks ago. Our diagnostics. If you haven't done the diagnostics, I would go back and do those. Uh, there's 11 different diagnostics. You can do one or you can do them all. I would do them all to try them once and then maybe see which one you feel like resonates most to you. They all come from a little different angle on on the same issue, where you are in your life, and about 50% of who you are in your life. So if you haven't done that, that'll give you a real good picture of where you are with all these things that we're talking about. 
All right, so let's switch to this week. All right, here's our formula. Your will be done moment by moment. 2 Corinthians 4.10, whenever I hit adversity, pain, or pleasure that would be unhealthy for me to do, 2 Corinthians 4 says uh, the life of Jesus will be manifested in my physical body. Jesus will move to the forefront of my life and God will be glorified in all of that, okay? So it, uh, that may mean healing. It may not mean healing. It may mean healing later. But it always means the best possible outcome as determined by God, who is the only one who can know the best possible outcome and has the power for any circumstance to make it happen. All right. Um I wanted to, uh, so, 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 again, it all comes down to a belief in love versus fear of death. Where is that? You have both. Everyone has both. Let me explain that just a little. Uh, how can every fear or negative thing be a fear of death? Well, here's how it works. Um, the other name for the fear response, there's actually two, um, the, is fight or flight. You've all heard of that one. The stress response, you've probably all heard of that one. The clinical, the clinical name is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Say that five times fast, all right? But the only time that fight or flight stress is supposed to kick in is if I am in a literal, not metaphorical, not emotional, a literal, physical life or death situation. My, my life is on the line in the next five minutes. There's somebody chasing me with a knife or a gun. There's an 18-wheeler about to pull over on me. The airplane is about to crash. We're talking physical death being imminent, possibly. Okay, that's the only time stress is supposed to kick in. Once or twice a year for 15 minutes or so, and then you're right back to physiological peace. Okay? The latest research shows that about nine people in 10 live in daily stress. So instead of once or twice a year, they're going into stress five to, to 50. Five to 50. Now, 50 is pretty much all day long. But five to 50 times a day, their the, uh, hypothalamus is flipping the stress switch. Well, what's the big deal with that? Well, everything negative that we know of almost comes from that stress switch being flipped. Uh, according to Dr. Bruce Lipton at Stanford Medical School, uh, 95 plus percent of all illness and disease come from that. In fact, he says, if you're not stressed, if a cell is not stressed, it's impervious to illness and disease. All right? 
Plus, when fight or flight is switched on, our creativity is turned off. Our uh, uh, higher intellectual thinking is turned off. What is turned up is our animalistic instinct thinking. All right? We are juiced with cortisol and adrenaline in order to fight harder or run faster. But if there's not any real emergency, which means we burn that adrenaline or cortisol off in saving our lives, but if there is no emergency, then we go in to adrenaline overdose or cortisol crash where we felt loads of energy for a few minutes but then after that, oh man, I feel like someone stuck a, stuck a gigantic hypodermic in me and sucked out all my energy. All right? And if you're going into fight or flight, we said it was five to 50 times a day for nine out of 10 people. So if you're going into, into fight or flight 10 or more times a day, you're basically living there. All right? Well, that means your immune system is turned off or down. The very first thing that happens when you go into fight or flight stress is your immune system is turned off or down. Why? Because it uses more energy than anything else in the body and that, that virus can wait for 10 minutes while I save my life getting away from this guy who broke into my house with a gun. The digestion can wait for 15 minutes while I avoid that 18-wheeler that look, that pulled over without looking, all right? Uh, my higher creativity can wait for 15 minutes. But the problem is, today we have devolved to the point that it's not 15 minutes. For most people, it's day in, day out, decade in, decade out, for most of their adult lives to the point that we're like the frog in the kettle where because the temperature has been turned up so gradually and it's happened kind of naturally and everyone we know is stressed too, we think it's normal even though we're slowly boiling in that pot. It, we're slowly being eaten up from the inside out by stress and our suppressed immune system, okay? So if the hypothalamus picks up any fear-based signal, it flips the stress switch on. All right, so what is any negative signal? It means it's not just fear. It's anger, it's irritation, it's frustration, it's bitterness, it's resentment, it's overwhelmed, it's, it's uh, anxiety over something I shouldn't be having anxiety about, uh, etc. Alright? It, it's, it's basically anything negative that I'm experiencing pretty consistently. Alright? We're built, if we work correctly, to have positive thoughts for the most part, positive emotions and feelings for the most part, positive hormones, positive chemicals, to live to 120 or 30, degree, 30 years old and be relatively healthy the whole time. Stress is stealing away a third of our healthy lifespan. Okay? It is by far the biggest epidemic on planet Earth 
Nothing else is close. And a big part of this that we've already talked about is that about 50% of our memories, which determine our beliefs, about 50% of our memories are simply in error. What we think is true about an event, a circumstance, or our life is simply just not true. And that's the latest research from Scientific American and several others, all right? So you pile that on top of everything else and most of us are living in a stressed, negative chemical, negative hormone, negative thoughts and emotions and feelings, which leads to negative habits and addictions situation. Nine out of ten. All right? And it is on a continuum from lot like the line we had on the other side of the board, from kind of a minus 10 being the maximum negative to plus 10, maximum positive. All right? And um, also, God even built into us an incredible mechanism called psychological adaptation where if we, uh, if we just don't have, if we're just not full of negative. I mean, everybody has some negative. That's normal. In fact, that's part of being born with both seek pleasure, avoid pain, and love. Fear of death and fear of love. And, and belief in love. Alright? Okay, that's normal. But being a minus four on a minus ten to plus ten scale, uh, unless you just had someone you dearly love die or some big huge uh, tragedy or something else, uh, if, if nothing like that has happened and you're living minus three, minus four or more negative day in, day out, no, you were not built for that and you can't handle that, all right? Um, psychological adaptation can't overcome that. But if you can get that negativity from minus four, minus five, minus six up to my best guess is about minus three, then psychological adaptation will grab that issue and pull it over to the positive. And you'll start having the positive emotions, feelings, hormones, chemicals automatically without even trying. So if you're having, if you feel like you're having too many negative emotions and thoughts and not enough energy, it's virtually guaranteed you are at a negative four or more on a minus 10 to plus 10 scale of internal negativity versus positivity. Which is also, positivity would be truth versus negati negativity would be falsehood. Because the problem with every memory where there is a problem is an untruth. 100% of the time, no exception. So love is built on the foundation of truth. Fear is built on the foundation of, of fear and untruth unless it really is a life or death situation. And then it's supposed to kick in no matter what and does. You can't change that. That will always work the way God made it to work to save your life. All right. But what we want to get rid of is all those untruths, the negativity that is causing us to have maybe either a poor or less than we would like 
positive daily experience, which is, I believe, something that God has for us if we will be right with Him, give Him control, and bank on the promises of Scripture. All right, so, um, and, and something interesting to think about in that regard, the fear of death. Um, fairly consistently, as they've done polls, and I'm sure you've heard this, you know what the number one fear in the world is, or has been many, many, many times with many, many, many polls, maybe not 100%, but a whole lot, a fear of public speaking. Now, just think about that logically, okay? This, this is, fight or flight stress is only supposed to happen if you are in danger of physical death. But the number one thing that activates fight or flight stress is fear of public speaking. Now, if if someone was nervous about speaking, got up to speak, and you were able to talk to them, maybe right before or right after they spoke, and said, hey, how you feeling? You nervous or you feel pretty good? And, and they said, oh my goodness, I'm scared to death. What if you said to them, okay, we'll see if this helps. What you're really scared of is that if you go out there and speak at that podium, that you're going to fall down and die physically. <laughs> How do you think they would react? What would they say? Well, I've done that a few times, and most of them say, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. I'm not scared of physically dying. I know I'm not going to die. I'm just scared of getting out there and being embarrassed. Well, in reality, that's not true. What is true is they are afraid they will fall down and physically die because that's the only time that fight-or-flight stress is supposed to be turned on. Okay? So, what's the lie? The lie is that I'm going to die if I get out there and do the public speaking. And you know what? Even if they would never say it in those words, and many of them do, I bet if you ask them before they went out and they were really nervous, if you ask them, do you, have you had the thought or feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm, 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 I'm going to die. I'm just going to die. I, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get embarrassed. I'm just, or, or I'm dying here thinking about having to go out there in a few minutes or next week. Or, a lot of them would say that. Yes, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm going to die. Now, they wouldn't say that and mean it literally. But it is literally the truth of what's happening. And sometimes if you think of it that way, kind of call a spade a spade. You know, I'm supposed to do public speaking and I understand all of this. Maybe I can confront that a little. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This is public speaking. I mean, I am not going to die for this and I, fr from this. And I understand that the only reason I'm feeling this way, all this stress like I'm going to die, is because I'm really believing 
If I go out there, I'll fall on the floor and physically die and that'll be the end of my life. That is baloney. That's a lie. I'm not going to participate with that. I'm not going to buy that. No way. I may go out there and be embarrassed, but that's the worst. Sometimes if you confront whatever that is, um, it'll sort of squash the untruth. Okay, You're shining the light of truth on that and saying, you are a lie and I am not going to get in bed with you. All right, So you can keep trying that, but I do not believe I'm going to die and so I'm going to try to act accordingly All right, and not be in fight or flight stress. Plus, use some of the tools we've given you to work on that issue, the belief profiling and the physical intervention. And I think that fear will come down, 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 down until finally maybe you've gone from a minus five on the negative to a minus three. Psychological adaptation takes it over automatically. And now you're, whoo, you're flying at a whole different level without that happening. Okay? But that's how. Um, anything negative, basically, unless your life is in imminent danger, comes from a root of fear. And, it's, and all fear originates as a fear of death. Okay? So, don't buy that con job by either Satan or your unconscious mind. All right? No, that is not going to kill me to take out the garbage. No, that is not going to kill me to have a conversation about this conflict I have with another person. It is not going to kill me to pick up the phone and call that person. It's not going to, you know, you get the idea. Okay? And then a commitment to believe in love. And I would use the belief profiling for that uh, to increase it up, 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 up. All right, and these are correlated. As this goes, as the belief in love goes up, the fear of death will go down. As fear of death goes up, belief in love goes down. All right, so, and, and a lot of people aren't like this, they're more like this, typically with fear of death here and belief in love here. So, their day and week and month is not just horrible and ruined. It's just that I don't have any energy, I'm tired a lot, and I feel like there's a higher level that I can't seem to get to. I would say that's the feelings and beliefs with most people that I've worked with. Okay. Um, and then the Second Corinthians 4 that we've already talked about, where we are promised that the life of Jesus will manifest in our physical body if we give him control. How do we do that? Oswald Chambers told us, Lord, I would be delighted to obey you in this. And then I do it in obedience to him, to please him in relationship, loving relationship and gratitude and thankfulness for everything he's done for me. All right, I do the the thing that is painful, is is uh, adversity, etc. 
All right? And if I do that, and don't argue or debate. Remember, if you argue or, or debate, it grieves the Holy Spirit. But if I do that, according to Chambers, instantly Jesus moves to the forefront of my life and the life of Christ manifests in my physical body for his glory. Your will be done. Okay. I wanted to... Um, well, let me, let, let me go here again um, before the next step. So... Uh, how can you know if you have too much fear of death? That is, keeping your belief in love lower than it needs to be for you to have your best life possible. Well, anything in the anger family is evidence of that. If something happens that's not what you wanted, anger, irritation, frustration, resentment, bitterness, overwhelmed, uh, anxiety, if it's a situation where you shouldn't really have a lot of anxiety, all right, is evidence of that. Uh, doing the um, diagnostics, the 11 diagnostics on the other side, seeing where you score in there. If you're, if you're more negative than like a minus three, then you're probably pretty infected with this fear of death. And you're not going to get a lot higher unless... God just touches you and heals you, which is always my favorite way and what I pray for. Um, or you work at it with the belief profiling, with the interventions, until those numbers come down and the fear of death goes down and the belief in love comes up. And then with your conscious intention, once you've gotten enough of the negative, enough of the garbage, enough of the computer viruses out of your heart, your mind, unconscious, subconscious, generational, once you've got enough of that out of you, then you need to consciously, and I would have a vow or a ceremony, set your intention that, okay, I am now committed in loving relationship to God and Jesus as my Lord and Savior and Holy Spirit who lives in me to to focus on the present moment or the next 30 minutes in love, giving up the end result to God, whether that's painful or pleasurable, whether that's something I want or something I don't want, I'm committed to that. I will never do it right, but when I mess up, I will get back up, get on the horse, repent, confess, go again. All right? And no matter how many times I fall down to the low road or go there intentionally for some unhealthy pleasure or something, I'm going to repent, confess, go back up, back on the high road, back to my commitment to the next 30 minutes in love. All right. Now, I want to make one more point today and then wrap it up with a story. Um, and this point is one of the most amazing, unbelievable things I have ever found about being a follower of Jesus or um, being a Christian, depending on what the person means by that. Uh, I would disagree, probably, with a lot of definitions of the word Christian, but some I would agree with. So that's why I don't call myself a Christian, because if you ask 100 people what that means, 
you'll get about 50 different answers. And a number of those, I would never want to be a part of that. I, I would totally disagree with that. So I'm a follower of Jesus, which is really more scriptural anyway. Um, that's what the word disciple means. And, and that's what we're all supposed to be. Okay, but this is one of the most unbelievable, miraculous, magical, mysterious things about this whole life and everything we're talking about. And I need you to know before I share it with you, this is my opinion, okay? So do not agree with this just because I'm saying it. Go research it for yourself. Pray and meditate about it for yourself. Go Google and, and read what some experts say. Scholars, I'm not a scholar, okay? Um, so maybe this is a starting place, but don't just accept this because I say it. This is my opinion, okay? But it's what I believe. Uh, and here it is. If I'm in a situation where I've got at least two different ways I can go, okay, and I am wanting to make the best decision, I'm wanting to make the love-based decision, I'm wanting to make the decision that God wants me to make, and I'm trying to do that. I'm praying, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, etc. Alright? You got that picture? And then, let's say, I make the wrong choice. Okay? I tried to make the right choice, but I missed it. My own selfishness, some unhealed uh, fear memory in me reared its head, uh, something. And I make the wrong choice. Okay? If I choose wrong, he, God, makes it as if I had chosen right. Now, if you're like me, you're going to have to marinate in that one a while. You're going to have to take a little time to let your heart and mind wrap around that. Because it goes so against our seek pleasure, avoid pain, um, way that our mind works, and way that we grow up. Okay? Um, and it also goes against you reap what you sow. And, and stimulus response, action, reaction, the way everything in the natural world works. Uh, the law of attraction, what karma, all of those things are you blow it you pay the price. Okay? But then you've got Romans. And you've got Paul saying, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Okay. We've been talking about love as far as purpose. I do believe God has a purpose for you and your life. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'd go back and watch the teaching on the five big questions. That's one of them. Okay. 
but in general, God's purpose is love. Jesus was asked kind of that question, is there a greatest commandment? He said, yes, there is. In fact, there's two, and they're both love. And if you do this, you have kept the entire law. Against such there is no law. And John said, you will know them by, by their love. All right? So, is that possible? Is it possible that this is true? That not that you're getting it right, you mess up every day, but you're trying and your conscious intention is always the present in love, right relationship with God and Jesus, doing, being obedient to God, giving it, giving him the adversity and pain and, and interacting with it as he would have me interact with it, not just to run away from it or to take a pill or to fight it, but to really deal with the source, etc. All right? Well, I believe this is exactly the case. How else would it happen? Okay? So I've got this road. I choose the wrong one. The wrong one typically means there's going to be some negative consequences that I don't want, and it was not the best way for my life to take the next best turn. That's how, kind of how I would define I, I chose wrong. All right? So how is that going to happen that somehow, even having chosen wrong, and now I'm going down a path that's not best for me, how can anyone say that that is guaranteed to work out for my good. Well, if you're talking about us human beings and just earthly circumstances, you can't. It's impossible to say that. Okay? It could either just keep going that level of wrong or it could get worse and worse and worse. All right? That, uh, there's no way you could guarantee that if there is no God if there is no spiritual reality. It's a crapshoot. It's 50-50. May get worse, may get better. Depends on a lot of stuff, a lot of people, other decisions down the road. But that's not what God says in Romans. He said, I will make all things. The word all is not 99%. I will make all things. Work together for your good if you love me and you're committed, even if you don't do it very well, to my purpose for your life. Love in the present moment, love with him, love with Jesus, other people, etc. He promises, he guarantees, he will make all things work out for my good. What does that mean? Uh, what's the takeaway? I believe this is it. That if I'm in that right state with him, walking in the light as he is in the light, if I choose wrong, he will make it as if I had chosen right. Wow. It, it's unbelievable. When you really think about it, it's... It, it's it, it, it blows my brain. I, I, I almost can't even comprehend that. 
all right? But I have seen it in my life and, and with hundreds of my clients who uh, we have uh, worked with each other, walked down the road together, so to speak, and this is what they have had happen as well. Now, that's not saying there won't be any natural consequences, all right? If you punch the wall, it doesn't mean your hand won't be bloody, okay? What it means is that God is somehow going to turn that negative into a positive. God is going to somehow use that to make me a better person and have a better life. So now, if that's true, it's actually better for me that I punched the wall in mistake, doing the wrong thing. Because God is going to take that, transform it, which we talked about last week, it's what we all, we, all, all of us want, transformation. He's going to transform that into something not just good, but best. He guarantees to make everything work out for our best, for our good. Okay. Um, this guarantee, I believe, now I may be wrong about it, you decide for yourself, but this guarantee, I do not believe is available anywhere else in the universe, in any religion, in any uh, program, in any pill, in any intervention. It is only here. And it is only if I'm choosing, if my belief in love is going up and my fear of death is going down. It's only if when I hit adversity and pain and the desire uh, for unhealthy desires, all right, it's, it's for that, all right? If I give those to him, I would be delighted, Lord, to obey you in this, even though I don't want to do that. that. That's not a fun thing to do, all right? But I am delighted to obey you because I'm so thankful, grateful, and know you love me so much, and I love you back, etc. all right? So... Do you want that? Do you want it so that if you make the right decision, you get what's best for you? If you make the wrong decision, you get what's best for you. Well, you're lying if you say you don't want that. Okay? You just are. Everyone I've ever spoken to, everyone I've ever talked to about these things, if they're honest, wants that. And I've had a few tell me, no, no, no. And, but every one of them later came back and said, yeah, 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 you were right. I, of course I want that. Everybody wants that. All right? So I believe that is what is available to you. And that leads to the life that 
has positive thoughts, positive emotions, positive feelings, positive chemicals, positive hormones, immune system turned up, healing whatever needs to be healed, um, love, joy, peace, and pain. That's right. You always have pain, but with joy and peace if you're going this way. And the guaranteed outcome. Not only overall, but for any and every situation. All things. I will make all things work out for your best. Um, I'm going to close with this. True story. There was, uh, this was back in the like 1950s or 60s. And the circus was coming to a small town. And there was a, a, a young man there who had always wanted to see the circus, and he'd never been. He'd seen magazines, he'd seen ads on TV, he'd seen a clown before at Christmas time or something like that. But he'd never been to the circus, and this was a little town where not a whole lot is going on, especially back in the 50s and 60s, very small town. But the circus is coming to town. So the little boy had been saving his pennies and nickels and dimes for months. As his parents said, the circus is coming to town and uh, if you save your money, we'll go. Or maybe they said, we'll go, but you can buy um, concessions with your money, whatever. But he's been saving his money for months to go and see the circus. So uh, the day that the circus is coming is here. And so he, he opens his piggy bank, takes all his money out, has it bulging in his pockets as it's almost all change, and he walks to the uh, fairgrounds, and uh, here they come. The circus parade is coming into the big top. All right, so they start at one end of town, end up at the other town, inside the tent, uh, draw er, draw all the people in the tent with them to pay for the circus, and then the circus starts, all right? And so people are lined up all along the street uh, as the circus parade moves through. So the little boy is uh, 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 got uh, wiggled his way to the front uh, where he's way shorter than everybody else so that he can see. And here comes the elephants, and here comes all the beautiful horses, and here comes, um, here comes the um, tigers. Here comes, you know, thing after thing after thing. Takes about an hour for all of it to come through. And then at the very end, the last person in the parade uh, bringing up the end is a clown. And the little boy runs out in the middle of the street, grabs his money, gives it to the clown, and, and runs home believing that he has been to the circus and seen the circus. When in reality, he just missed the circus. Gave his money to the clown and never got in to see the circus. Why am I telling that story? 
because so many people that I work with and have worked with for decades now in their life have given their money to the clown. Instead of going in and experiencing the joy and the happiness and the thrills and the identity and worth and and security and significance and all that wonderful stuff that God intended for us and, and went through great pain, including the death of Jesus and him watching the death of Jesus. That was all so that we could experience what he has for us to experience, which is love, joy, peace, dealing with pain his way, giving it to him, and our spirituality going up and up and up and up and up and up all through our life until we're finally at a place where the majority of what we're experiencing is love, joy, peace, gratitude. And even when there is pain, it's also accompanied by, by joy, peace, gratitude, and a knowledge, a secure bedrock, foundational knowledge that if I choose right, I get what's good and best. If I choose wrong, I get what's good and best. I have nothing to fear, which is why I believe, uh, according to some scholars, God says 365 times in Scripture, fear not, fear not, fear not fear not. More than any other thing of that type by far. And why love, on the other hand, is everywhere. Basically, all of Scripture is a love letter. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. All right. So, the moral, don't give your money to the clown. Spend your time, spend your energy on what will produce the results, the guaranteed outcomes for yourself, for your children, for your grandchildren. Break any unhealthy cycles up to this point in time from your ancestry, etc. And have the life of Jesus in control of your life and manifesting physically in your body. Your best life possible or close to it. So that's the next step, I believe. And I hope you will seriously this week give some thought to this and give me your feedback, okay? I realize this sounds really radical. This sounds like, oh, Alex, you're taking it too far. And please forgive me if I am. But I've prayed about this, not just this week. For decades, I've prayed about this. And I believe this is the truth. I believe in light of the scriptures, there's no other possibility. Because without his intervention, there's no way everything would always work out for my best. No way. Maybe 60% of the time instead of 50, but no way 100. All right? So that would have to mean 
he's going to intervene. Okay? All right. I hope uh, that gives you something to think about. Next week, we'll take the next step. Uh, if you haven't done the diagnostics yet, I would highly recommend that. If you've not tried the uh, 2 Corinthians 4.10, uh, when adversity and pain and a desire for unhealthy desires hits, Lord, I would be delighted to obey you, etc. Please, don't just let this be, oh, that was an interesting video. Try it. I, uh, the point of this is not to be interesting. The point of this is for you to have your life changed. However is God's will. All right. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful, blessed day.